When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org, Consequence of Sound, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Uh, thank you so much for making your way here, checking out this episode. If you're not a subscriber to the series, uh, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Of course, you can grab us at any of the major podcast hotspots, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, and YouTube, where there's also a video version of this interview as well. Just type in Kyle Meredith with in your favorite podcast spot. And we'll bring you three new interviews every single week. One Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones, and know what's happening in the music world. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, I'm once again going to be talking with James Mercer of The Shins. The Shins are back with a brand new single called The Great Divide. And musically, we talk a little bit about retrofuturism. Digging into the past and still making it sound like the future as well. Uh, and bridging the musical gap. More and more it seems like what James is doing with the shins uh, it kind of echoes what he also does with Broken Bells. I want to hear about how the worlds come together and what brings that music together for him. Uh, but at the same time, if the new songs, if he, if he thinks that they need to speak to his past catalog... And speaking of that past catalog, next year is going to be the 20th anniversary of The Shins' debut album, O Inverted World. Uh, there's going to be possible new edition, a new remaster, so I want to hear about the plans that James has in place for that already. And what does this all mean for the next Shins record? Is there one in store? He's going to give us the details about that and the Broken Bells. In fact, it sounds like the Broken Bells was are just about done, just about done with a new record. So let's get into this. It's Kyle Meredith with The Shins. Hi there. First off, so The Shins, you're back with a brand new single, The Great Divide. It's an epic sounding song. I thought we'd start with the easy part of this. Like what inspired this one? What brought this song on for you? Uh, you know, it starts with uh, John Sortland, our drummer. He had put this little bit of music together on his iPhone while we were on tour. And, uh, and I, I, he was showing us and I just started singing to it. 
and it, it just really was a fruitful little moment there. A bunch of cool melody ideas happened. And so it starts there. And then we start working on it in the studio. The pandemic hits. So we're just slowly trying to get through this thing. And um, so it, it gets a little bit of an influence with this new world we're in. And Yeah, there was, a, there, there was something, I think, in the press release. You were talking about a blend of futurism, futurism and nostalgia, mm. which was a really yeah. interesting take. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, I mean, that's just my take on it, I think, you know, but it's it's got a lot of very modern sounds in it. But then it's got my acoustic guitar um, and, you know, just other, you know, some of even the synth sounds are sound like vintage synth mm -hmm. stuff. So, um, yeah, to me, and I always like that. That's kind of the Broken Bells aesthetic is just things that are futuristic and also things that sound like they're 50 years old. And you're, you, I mean, your sound has evolved and I say years meaning uh, right now specifically the shins I mean that's evolved over the years but I feel like especially with this song like it sounds like you're more and more bridging the musical gap of what we would hear you sounding like with Broken Bells and what you're sounding with the shins I mean do you hear that same thing am I yeah I do I, I totally get that I think that it's it's um it's stuff that just happens accidentally, you know? Um, I take each song and just try and figure out the best treatment for the song. And so there's a variety of different production styles with the Shin's music because, you know, each one's sort of treated as a little individual piece. Well, I do love the way it works. And I, I was thinking, you know, back when we were talking about just a second ago with the futurism and nostalgia, I mean, there is a term, I don't know if this fits it, but retrofuturism. And it's yeah, like, there you go. I yeah, like that. yeah, the way it's it's sort of tugging at each other, you know that that one leg and the. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think I'm trying to to make things look for things that may not be there, but it's almost like the comfort food that everybody is looking for right now. You know, as you know, you, yeah. you look for those familiar sounds, but you want to move forward with it. I don't know. As yeah. a songwriter, that's like how much of that is on your mind because now you have a lot of past that people like how much do you want to speak to that when you're writing a new song right like how much do i worry about the aesthetic that's already been established for the shins and then leaving it um i i do think about that sometimes and i know there will be criticism because you see it in the comments you know <laughs> on youtube and stuff but i don't know i have to dismiss it really because like i said i just every song has to be treated as its, as its own little world. And I, I don't know what else to do. I mean, to be honest, I'm not that sophisticated of a songwriter or a production person. I, I just kind of do what I've got to do. Then I would, while I'm still drawing for lines, uh, to your past at least, do you find any relation with the song Weird Divide, uh, with the Great Divide, oh. other than just a choice of words? Just a choice of words, but yeah, I did think about that. It's, it's funny. Yeah, we, is, it, is it okay for us to have two different divide songs <laughs> spanning like 20 years? Well, that's what you said, I mean, so it's next year. It's next year that O Inverted World turns 20. Yeah. I mean, a lot of artists would sort of be ramping up to that. And I know plans are in the air. I mean, nobody knows what to do, but you did the Twitter listening party with yeah. uh, Timbers, yeah. which was really, really fun. Like, yeah. do you find that you're going to be, is that some, like, do you fall into that part of the nostalgia? Like, is it time to celebrate that beginning? I think it would be cool to do. I have this secret desire to remaster the, the record. Um, I just have a couple ideas of things I would, I would change. So that might make it a little bit more of an interesting collectible item. Maybe we could have a new vinyl pressing with a new mastering job. Not that John Golden didn't do a wonderful job with it, 
It's just, I think the world of indie music has changed so much now that there's a different aesthetic that we might just tweak it a little bit. We hear that all the time. I mean, artists do remastered records all the time. I think as yeah. listeners, it, that's the one confusing thing. Like you can understand a new remix, but remastering, yeah. like what exactly does that mean for an album like this beyond what you were talking about? Yeah. I mean, is it just giving it that new punch? Well, I actually, Brian Burton, my partner in Broken Bells, he had a criticism. He said, you know, when after listening to a, some sort of indie rock song on Sirius XMU, a Shin song came on from O Inverted World. And he said it was just really quiet. So mm -hmm. things like that can be changed in mastering. Mm -hmm. Everything so just keeps be, getting louder. I guess so. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's overall bus compression and stuff like that that we could tweak. Well, so so we've gone from present to past and I'll, I'll bring it back to present because there was uh, a song that you put out uh, recently, Beyond the Great Divide. And, and when I have trouble saying it, uh, we am Manalo. Oh, why Manalo? Why it's, Manalo? It's a, yeah, it's a town in Hawaii that uh, my family and I used to go to when I was a little kid. I was born in Hawaii. It's, and it's a wonderful beach. It's just a really beautiful part of Hawaii with yeah. tide pools. So you get the beach thing, but you also get tide pools and stuff. See, now that's a song that does sound like musically, maybe mm -hmm. more of a connection to what you were doing in those early days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Production wise and, and even it, it does sound retro. It sounds old, yeah. It's a cool song. I mean, these are these are cool songs. Thank so, you. Yeah. So, so what else are you doing? I mean, we have these this you know this new one off here, and and you put out the one off was it last year? And right now, is that's is yeah. that what we're getting? I mean, is is this leading to something? Right. Well, the um, Waimanalo and um, Trapped by the Sea were the two songs on that. That was a single mm -hmm. that came out for the Fug Yep uh, charity that went to help. Richard Swift's family. Richard Swift, my buddy, uh, died recently. And so that was a, a charity piece. So they asked me to provide that. And uh, so that wouldn't be part of a new record. Um, you know, we're just taking things as they come. I mean, one of the things is, even if we were to finish a, an album right now, we couldn't tour for it, you know, and I, maybe I'm just old fashioned, but that's the way I've always done it. You know, you put out a record and you hit the road. So I don't really have the, uh, the impetus to, you know, put together a full album right now. So right now it's just kind of like, hey, we're still here. Here's a song. Here's a really good song. But sort of yeah, just... exactly. And maybe it's part of a, a record that'll come out next year or something. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. But, but similarly, like you've been doing that with, uh, with the Broken Bells, too. I mean, it's been a while now since yeah. you guys pulled out a record, but we got good luck last yeah. year. Is that sort of the same yeah. kind of deal? Yeah, we were, we were working on a record. We were very close to finishing the whole album and the pandemic hit. And so we've got like a couple of weeks that we need alone and we can finish this thing. Uh, but it's just been waiting till the time is right. Brian is really busy. I've been busy sort of filling in the gaps with this project and other mm -hmm. things. So um, yeah, but there's a Broken Bells record that we've we've got to finish it's almost in the can does it ever seem like for you like i'll, I'll reference another interview i did and this was with uh, damon auburn who, who also has multiple groups that he's in and and his whole thing yeah. was all the music sort of just runs together and everybody else gets to choose what it's called or something like that i mean once you're going this far in and you're writing like is it just about the collaborator or does it really seem 
pun intended, divided still to you. You mean the the difference between Broken Bells and the Shins? Sure, sure. You know, it's all coming from the same creator, I mean, and that's you to a big point, you know. It is about the collaborator then. You know, I think think there's a lot there. Uh, Brian brings a huge uh, aesthetic influence there, you know, and his production skills and and his songwriting ideas, you know? So um, I benefit a lot from, from his perspective on songs. And, um, and, you know, this new Shin song is a collaboration with John Sortland and Yuki Matthews, writing-wise, uh, which, is, it, which is something unusual for me to do with the Shins. But so, you know, like I said, John really came up with the first little uh, musical part for this song, and so... Uh, yeah, it's, it's very much something I would not have done on my own. The other collaboration you've recently been a part of with Bruce Hornsby's new record with a yeah. non-secure connection. What was that like for you working with Bruce? Oh, it was easy, man. He, he is just a really charming guy. And uh, I am really pleased to have made his acquaintance. He's a really nice guy. Um, you know, he had the whole song written and basically I had to just sing the verse as he sang it. I did my best to get it as close as I could. I think there's a couple moments where I jump off the script a little bit and do my little tweaks. Um, but yeah, it was it was all laid out for me and I was honored to be part of it. Yeah, it's cool stuff that you guys are doing. Uh, I'm always such a big fan uh, of what you do, James. So thank you so much for continuing to do that. And thank you so much for taking the time to, to you know, Talk about the great divide. If this is, you know, the good tease for what's to come, I can't wait. Okay, that sounds great. Thank you, Kyle. All right, thank you, Jake. Take care. We'll see you around. All right, see you, buddy. Now, James and I have spoken many times over the years. I'm going to include uh, those interviews here as well. Uh, The first one actually goes back to 2014 when uh, he arrived in the WFPK studio with Danger Mouse to talk about the Broken Bells record after the disco. That was their second record that painted a dark image of the future, that future that we are, of course, now in. So I thought it'd be an interesting uh, listen back on this one from six years ago, part two of Kyle Meredith with James Mercer. Going well. Yeah, Yeah. It's nice to see you guys back again. Uh, I know there was a bit, you know, there was all the explanation during the first album, like, hey, we're a band. No, seriously, we're a band. No, yeah. really, we're a band. Whatever a band is. Yeah, but now, <laughs> now, now it's like, kind of like proof. Now, you, okay, we, we, we trust you. You're a band. That's nice. So welcome back. Thank you. And, uh, and after the disco, uh, this really great, really creative record, very sad record, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I've been reading up on it and everything, I guess. Um, is it a concept album? I kind of wondered about hmm. that. I mean, was that I in your say. head? I mean, we just sat and wrote songs. Yeah. We didn't have like an overarching theme at first, you know. We maybe we sort of superimposed a theme on the songs that we had gathered. I mean, I think anytime you have two people just kind of sit and do something for months at a time, when it's done, there's it's like it by itself a is thread, a concept. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just like what would happen if you did this, and then yeah. So they came from similar places, um, but concept album probably way down the road we could look back on it as that but we didn't put well, it together like that. When you think like of that. Pink Floyd's concept albums it's definitely not Those, like Those are no. definitely <laughs> planned out and I guess it's because and, and I'm sure the artwork and the imagery uh, has a lot to do with it but there is a sound that kind of you know there, there is a mm-hmm. thread of music that kind of ties it all together but there's also uh, the imagery and the lyrics um, you know and I think everyone's settled on this is a, a sad space epic uh, that's going on. Yeah. 
That's kind of, we'd, we'd like people to think that, yeah. <laughs> that feels good. No, because I, I read there was conversations going on, right, about, um, I don't know, what, what is it, like the future? Uh, is that correct? Yeah, like I you mean, guys were kind of discussing sci-fi and, and the future and, and all of that? It's kind of strange how that evolved. I mean, it was, what was that night up at the observatory and we just kind of hanging out, started talking, and then it, it became sort of a, an idea maybe for a video. and That was even on the first record. Right. That was just kind of the way it was visualized because we didn't we didn't even really have a name at that point I don't think right. or, or we were coming, maybe we had just gotten the name together but we had already recorded a lot of the music but uh we knew it, we really didn't want it to be necessarily uh a bunch of pictures of us yeah. like that's the band is like us in that right. way it just didn't feel like that was the answer I think when we were looking at when we were up there at the observatory and, and all the that kind of space sci-fi thing just to be really broad about it kind of seemed to make sense and we just kind of once we started down that direction it kind of just stayed with it even on to the next record and everything yeah that's mm -hmm. the great stoned conversation right there the conversation. <laughs> yeah. let's talk yeah. about the future right. comma man yeah <laughs> and and if i look at that uh what i've decided is if the future is anything like i get from a broken bells album uh then it's then it is full of lots of minor notes the future is full yeah. of lots of minor notes and sad spacemen <laughs> yeah, that I think that just happens to be Brian, Brian's taste, my taste. We like some of that yeah. somber sort of melancholy music. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's 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 as long as what you're doing, I guess. If you remember the time when you listened to a certain record, it doesn't matter if it was a sad record or not. You just kind of, I don't know, remember it. Most songs are sad anyway. If you, li if you really listen to them, if you're a musician, of course. <laughs> well, if you really listen to the lyrics, most yeah. of the most songs have some kind of a sadness some sort or of heartbreak. melancholy. Yeah, even big songs. Yeah, the majority uh, uh, of them we'll do. say that the first time that I heard the record, I actually uh, pulled back in uh, my my girlfriend. Uh, I said, "There's something about this record that makes me feel really uncomfortable." <laughs> and the, I said, "I said I like it, but there's something about it that makes me feel really like almost paranoid uh, about whatever's mm. going on." And and I say that actually as a compliment because. You watch a movie, and whether or not you like how it ends, if it, if, you know, if it puts this the feeling into you, yeah, it puts yeah. this emotion into you. I like to think, well, that, that was a great, you know, part of that movie, mm -hmm. and 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 yours did that. It made me feel really, really nervous and scared about life. <laughs> <laughs> Some Donovan songs do that. For it's almost like an apprehension. To yeah. Them. yeah, yeah. And he does. He just kind of drives it and pokes at it a little yeah. bit, you know, yeah. the whole time like that. Uh, it, and it does. Um, I want especially putting the two records together now, I kind of want this to become like a big opera at mm. some point. I mean, could you guys ever see yourself doing that, to, to taking it to another level of, of making it? A show or something? Ma well, let's go back to the Pink Floyd reference that you brought up, to do something like that, because I do feel like, for whatever reason, you guys are coming so close to being able to pull off like mm. an actual conceptualized big epic. Like, if you're doing it by accident now... Yeah, it could be kind of cool. I mean, who knows? Yeah, yeah. I mean... The visual side of things is really important, and mm -hmm. we're really getting our head, you know, our heads around that right now. So the next thing could be even more that way. Mm -hmm. What bringing the orchestra in too? I mean, uh, I guess it's got to be a big part in that because that would be really fun. Yeah, actually. I mean, and you, you got, I mean, you guys have strings. That you worked with a bit of an orchestra on this record, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought it, what a tricky thing it is to write with an orchestra and not make it soft rock. <laughs> well, the parts were done, uh, you know, kind of done as synthesizers and you know fake strings and things like that and then you know Daniel Lupi is really great at, at 
you know, getting the sound the way it should be and, and putting together arrangements as well. So he knows how to make stuff not sound that way as yeah. well. We never had to try not to sound that way. It just hopefully doesn't sound right. that way. I don't know. Um, maybe the darkness of the lyrics or, or the... I know it's hard to say why, it, why doesn't it? it? <laughs> maybe because <laughs> it is just, yeah, 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 maybe just luckily doesn't, yeah. Yeah, I think that's why band, a lot of bands are actually are really kind of nervous about strings at the beginning. It's like, oh no, it's just going to end up, you know, Aerosmiths don't want to miss a thing. I, I use strings on everything almost. I can't yeah. think of a record I yeah, didn't use strings nice. on. It's so you've, got, you've, you've mastered it. I don't know about master. I mean, I, I I think even there was even some strings on the Black Keys record, kind of. I think the sound of them, anyway, I think on some of it, yeah. which I thought would never happen, but it did. So I don't know. I like strings, though. Yeah. It just reminds me, it makes me think of cinematic. Like, it makes it a very visual thing. Well, it, it's it's with it's with the strings, uh, the sound, uh, with the uh, the type of songs you're doing, uh, with with. Uh, with the, the imagery and everything, I've, I've just come to want to call you guys the new Alan Parsons Project. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Again, as a compliment. Yeah. I don't know how, you got, how that group got a bad name, bad rap, but uh, it's, it's working anyway. I don't know. There were some cool songs. Some great songs. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't think I can imagine you up there doing something like The Raven, per se, but, <laughs> you know, maybe more like Eye in the Sky. Yeah. I have so, a friend who covered Eye in the Sky. It's really cool. Jonathan Brooke? No, you heard that? Uh, oh. Marty Crandall from The Shins. He's yeah. got a band called High Desert, and they cover that. Yeah. Jonathan Brook did it. It's an amazing cover. It's cool. one of my all-time favorites. Uh, and, and speaking of, of name-dropping other artists, um, and, and going back to my first impressions, uh, the, so Holding On For Life comes on, mm-hmm. and, I, and I sit for a couple of days going, nah, it reminds me of something, it reminds me of something. And it turns out it's Michael McDonald's Keep On Forgetting. Whoa, really? Yeah, which could also be, you know, uh, uh, Regulators from Warren G and... Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a great song. It's it's. it's I'll a, have to listen. I don't think I've heard that since we did the song. <laughs> yeah. I've heard it out and about. Yeah. Does yeah. it remind you of it, Vega? Um, it's got I love that song. Yeah, I don't know. I know that's a great. I don't know. Song. If you can start working that in on the live show. Okay, let's make <laughs> this thing. <laughs> in fact, if you could also do a regulators in as well, I, th- I think that'll be the uh, the ultimate yeah. part. That's uh, cool. Yeah. That's cool. I'll take it. Uh, pinpointing one of your songs. That's really interesting, and I'm I, th- I think I'm taking it out of context here. Uh, Remains of rock and roll. Mm. Uh, doesn't seem to be a big statement about rock and roll, but at the same time, calling a song that is kind of making a grand statement on maybe the state of rock and roll, or that's how I'm taking it. Anyway, I mean, do do you have that issue with? Um, sort of. I is mean, this the, the old I man picture... issue of kids these days, or uh... Uh, I don't know. The way I picture that song is, it's like some relationship, some, and they're they're just yeah. dumping their yeah. lives in their head now, right? And it's through this landscape of today where you know it's whatever romantic vision that there was for rock and roll and stuff is sort of crumbling and and that's sort of the the world that they're heading out into yeah and yeah and metaphorically with themselves too i mean like kind of the idea of you think love is this thing and you have and then you go through it and then you have what you have left of actually disillusion yeah yeah (laughs) and and both of those things you kind of find them out i seem to be finding those out all both at the same time i mean is that kind of a concept of um you guys growing up and having your own romantic image of rock and roll and then being in successful groups and everything and being like, it is the waiting around, it is this and that. I mean, because I also see a problem that I've gone back and forth on with, with how artists present themselves today. I, you know, back in the day, before we had everything web-wise, the great mm-hmm. mystery is what yeah. propelled rock and roll. It was the yeah. mystery. I mean, even if they were dicks. You I know. know. You, you, you it kind of exa- sucked, and it was kind of cool. Yeah, that there yeah, was yeah. this sort of distance between the audience, and yeah. and that was kind of what the punks rebelled against, and all that, right? Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. It's a, it's a big conversation to have, I guess. But nevertheless, that song, yeah, it seemed, it, to me, that was the, the idea. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you guys are doing a good job, though, of, um, and, and not to bestow anything on you, but uh, there, there's still that separation. Like, not all artists have that, but I don't know. There, there is an air of mystery in the old ways to what you guys do, and I don't know if that's something you exercise purposefully or to say I'm not just going to, you know. Yeah, I think I'm, I have a tendency to be more candid than Brian, so maybe we strike a balance. Depends on how much I've had to drink, too. <laughs> I can be very candid. That's true. Welcome to bourbon country, sir. <laughs> yeah. This should be a fun night for yeah. you. Yes, I think so. <laughs> uh, as far as the production goes on this, um, I mean, I don't know if you'd say that's your day job. You know, that's, that's one of your big talents. You, you are a producer. You're a super producer. But there's a bit of a danger about self-producing, isn't it? I mean, has yeah, it ever been the thought of, like, going out and bringing in a third party for something like that? I've thought about it, actually, on this after this last record. I mean, and... I mean, it's, I mean, we, we do them together, really. You yeah. know, it's like James could produce if he wanted to, he, and he does in, in, in a way with this. I think that I get relegated. It's my studio. It's my gear. It's my engineers. So it's just, and, and it's helpful. Work ethic. It's just helpful, I think, <laughs> for him to not have to think about certain things, and I just do it anyway. But it could easily be, really, it's just kind of us doing it. I mean, yeah. I go in the room and play stuff, and James is like, no, or keep that, or we can turn this up. Or we, you know, we both kind of do that. I think it's just, it's such a weird name and role. It just changes with every day. Right. Forget the project. Mm. It just really, what producing is, is so vague and what people think it is. People think I do so much more than I do and think I have stuff to do with my hands on things that I have nothing to do with, you know. Again, it's that air of mystery. You just, as long as you no. don't admit that, we get to keep propelling it. <laughs> yeah. I, mean. I, I just see that um, sometimes when a band has worked with producers the whole time and then mm -hmm. finally they're like, no, no, we're to a good spot. We can self-produce. You know, there's the loss and it ends up just being masturbation. Uh, you know, for the most part, and, and 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 I'm not accusing that of you because I guess it is the worth work ethic, but it, it is a dangerous spot when you're like, no, no, we can take this on ourselves. Yet somehow you guys come out with a song like Control, which is this really amazing, concise song, you know, that hits all the right spots at the right time and doesn't really. You that was know, the last song we did on the record. The end or anything. So. It was it was the last the last thing we did. It was very focused. It was like, all right, we're gonna go in for fun and just do this one thing. So we were kind of both concentrated on that yeah um but yeah I, I i think it actually might be a fun idea to do that you know um but again what production is is very it's very different the way we work is like is it's not i can imagine somebody in there <laughs> I, I, i'm already like stumbling uh you know tripping him up on his way to creative things trying to <laughs> you know go this way or go that way i you know i'm, I'm i don't know i don't think i'm able to, to do that, but I, it, it might be an interesting idea to try. Yeah. Well, I hate to put you Ooh, on the wrong I've never track. really thought of it very much. Yeah. And, and don't let me insinuate, because the, cause the two albums are fantastic. <laughs> oh. And now you're going to do the opposite. Now you're going to work with someone and it's just going to be man. You should have kept doing it. Well, that's what will always happen, won't it? Yeah. You should have just, I like the old stuff. Ah, <laughs> uh, the fans anthem right there. Yeah, but I like the old stuff. Luckily, you've only got two albums, you know? It's, it's yeah, right. It's, it's, it's still We're a new still band. doing the early stuff. You're still a baby band. That's true. <laughs> uh, have you found it um, difficult, actually, to, um, to break away from your... To get everybody in on Broken Bells and not Shins, not Danger Mouse, or any of that stuff? Has, has it been a problem to kind of say, focus, this is, this is a thing right here, and it's not that? I Spotlights, I guess, so. is what I'm getting at. You I know? mean, it's, I think it's so different. 
the way we do it is so different, and the way it comes out is so different. I don't know. It's it hasn't. Been, I don't think it's been a problem. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, from the fans' point of view or anything like that. Oh, I don't know about that. I, I mean, there's know. people who, who really like Broken Bells who don't like the shins, mm -hmm. you know, and they tell me. My or, face. or vice versa. <laughs> vice versa you know. kids, kids are mean. <laughs> kids can be so cruel. <laughs> well, but that's cool, you know. It, I mean, that, that means, I think, that it's, Broken Bells is doing different. something right, and yeah. there's a valid thing here that's separate and different from what Brian does over there and what I do over here. Yeah. yeah. Well, in the honest way possible, uh, you have made two beautiful records lush beautiful records and i'm so happy that you guys met each other and fell in love and this relationship has <laughs> prospered into a nice marriage <laughs> brian james thanks so much sure thank Stop you thanks, right. see you guys down the road all right take care cool. 2014 interview with broken bells right there now we'll back it up a little bit more to 2012 that's when i talked with james mercer about the the shins after they had had a, a little bit of high of a hiatus but this moment found him rediscovering his love for the shins uh and releasing the record Port of Morrow. So me and my buddy Sean Cannon, we uh, we caught up with James backstage at Lollapalooza that year to catch up on the banner year, grocery shopping in Portland, and using the one ads to get a band. Plenty more. Check this out. Part three of Kyle Meredith with James Mercer. It's good to be back. Dude. Yeah, is it? Because uh, that was kind of what I was wondering, you know? You, you take a little bit of time, you do the Broken Bells in the middle, and now yeah. you're back and you've been in it a bit. Is this back yeah. what you signed up for again? Yeah, you know, it's cool. I mean, I, I while working with Brian in Broken Bells, um, you know, we would write on the spot and record, you know. So stuff that I was doing at home was just kind of building up. And I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do with it. But then I, into maybe halfway through the touring cycle for Broken Bells, I realized I want to do another Shins record. And so, yeah, And it's there, good. there was a moment when you thought you might not do any more Shins. Yeah. Yeah. There was a moment I wasn't sure what the hell I was going to do, but um, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad. It's It's been a lot of fun these last few months. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you here. Cool. Yeah, in fact, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, and you've kind of turned the shins into a, a bit of a super group, maybe a mini super group. Yeah, a little bit, you right. Got, you got a lot of incredibly uh, prolific and other notable folks from the uh, right. West Coast, I guess. Yeah, uh, Richard Swift, Jessica Dobson, yeah. Yuki, all that. Right. Like, how, how did that... How did that all come about? Um, you know, it was really like word of mouth, you know, friends recommending people and me just sort of being a fan. And um, it was it was really easy. You know, I mean, we didn't do any auditions or anything. It was just like, hey, you know, come over and start working on stuff. And it, it just worked. I was lucky. I feel very lucky to have those guys. So you mean you didn't put like uh, flyers up on telephone At poles? Guitar the, Center. Yeah, you like take the number. <laughs> Yeah. No, I have done that before. <laughs> even, <laughs> even in these internet days. No, that was in like 1991 or something. A little I, different I than that. Um, yeah. Stuff you must have. Uh, yep. You have I had, stories about the folks who show up. Yeah, I had a dude show up with with big teased up hair, black spandex, and big white, Why you know, you this basketball guy? boots. I feel like that's it. This could that's have been a whole other guy. It was so funny because my the sign that I had was like into the feelies, my bloody Valentine, and you know the Cure or something like that. And this dude showed up, heavy on he was the Cure, a total heavy metal guy. Yeah. <laughs> at least, heavy on the yeah. least the look and everything. Hair wise, yeah. yeah. What's been cool seeing you kind of uh, you know do what you've done with Port of Morrow, you, you, you know, the, the bigger sound, and it is something cool. a bit different this time. And maybe that yeah. is a musicianship that's gone into it. Um, yeah, partly. I mean, and I mean, I would have to say Greg Kirsten was a huge part of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy who produced it and plays a lot on the record and just was 
a real partner with me making it. Yeah, it turned out great, I think. <laughs> we, we talked, there was a phone interview that you did with me in the earlier part of the year, one of the mini phone interviews you probably did yeah. that day. But we were talking about a little bit about um, you know the separation of your personal life and your professional life, and yeah. you even commented on how you know that is a weird road to kind of get on. You know, I guess when you first started, as kids, you have right. kids or kids yeah. or whatever. Sure. Yeah, my wife, uh, you know, commented recently when she saw me perform live. She was like, "I kind of forget that you're like this other person, you know, <laughs> sometimes." And, and so it is kind of like that, you know. Yeah. I'm, it, it's whatever. It's just something you do when you're performing, I guess, and you, you have to kind of turn it on. But do you really feel like you're another? I mean, is it really just like, all right, now I'm James <laughs> Mercer. When I get home, Dad. Yeah. And hey, you, take out the garbage. Like, like I don't. You have to turn I it don't. You know, yeah. I don't really because I grew up doing this thing. Yeah. You know, I, I've always been. It's been a long time of me playing in bands and stuff. I don't know. It's just I think there is there is the the aspect of you know not having to sort of be a dad and wake up early and stuff that you do start to sort of have new habits formed when you're out on tour and then you get home and you're just utterly shocked at 7 a.m. You know, it's like the kids are jumping in your lap. But it's fun, too. What's always that moment, especially you get back and you end up at the grocery store? Yeah, do you have that? And, and, and it's a different world, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, how do you do it? How long does it take you to deal with that? I mean, yeah. Um, not long. Portland seems to be... Uh, Accommodating to that sort of thing, you know? oh, really? well, because yeah. like, everybody's a musician right now. There you go. I yeah. guess that's what it is. Hey, what's up, Carrie Brownstein? Yeah, right. Hey, Fred yeah. Armisen. <laughs> you see the, the milk's on sale. No. <laughs> <laughs> the mundane conversations right. of Portland rock stars. <laughs> I know that it, that usually is. Um, I've heard uh, other musicians talk about that. Like there is a period. Like this um, of adjustment. Yeah, yeah, like especially when you have a spouse and everything, yeah. how you, you're kind of yeah. given a week or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know what? I get it. It's you're hard be to weird do that though. You forget, yeah. you know, and, and um, you know, like she'll have the household just running like a top, and I'll come home and I throw a wrench in everything. <laughs> and, like, house is a mess. You know, it's just yeah, whatever. My luggage and crap. But more, it's just sort of you know, dad is back and the kids behave differently and there's a new dynamic. Right. So it's, it is kind of something that, that t- it has a transitional period that you have to remember it's okay. Like, we're going to get back into it. Sure, sure. How long do you usually take off between then? Like, there are also some musicians who are like, depends. I'm only, I'm always going to be home for this many weeks after a tour. Right. I don't seem to have yet have, I don't have the luxury to do that quite yet. I'm yeah. waiting for that day when I can just totally say, no, this is exactly what, it seems that now we're still sort of, you know, we're, we seem to be struggling to get, you know, to a little bit bigger level playing live and stuff, so sure. I'm taking what I can get, I guess. Um, but, you know, like, la- last break was, like, two days um, mm-hmm. that I just got off of, and then we have ten days coming up, things like that. But there's, there's also something about, I mean, you're, you are in multiple bands now. I mean, both these yeah. bands are full-time bands. Know. Yeah, I mean, except, you know, we kind of, like, Broken Bells is, is over there right now. Sure. You know? No, you don't have to do it at the same time. But, right. But it, I'll go right back into Broken Bells. Right, yeah. you've talked about that, like, once the Shans Tour is done. And yeah. you got, are you guys going to do it the exact same way? Are you, you know, going to go into the studio so. and build it all from scratch again? Or are you kind of working on stuff going, that could be Broken Bells? I'm not. Um, and I'm not sure if Brian is or not. I mean, he's been really busy with the producing and stuff. So we'll see. Yeah. We can change it. 
if we want, I suppose, you know. It works pretty well the first time, though. It'll all just be show tunes this time around. Yeah. Show tunes. <laughs> all covers. <laughs> Easy show tunes. Uh, you're in your Rod Stewart days of your There career. we go. In the salad days. <laughs> That's the early days. <laughs> I know. Just be, uh, James I just wanted to say it. James Mercer in the Vegas years. There you go. Yeah. The Branson years. Oh. Yeah. Is that gonna, are you going to open up the Shins Theater? We week in Branson. That'd be awesome. <laughs> you and the no Stanley Brothers. No one would come. They'd be like, Yakov Smirnov would be there. Yeah. That would make it worthwhile, I would yeah, think. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, James Mercer, thanks yeah. so much. It Thank is you. great to see you. Congrats on a big year. Yeah, it was thanks, great. Yeah, we'll see you around. 2012 interview there. And now all the way back to our beginning. This was in that same year, uh, 2012. James and, and I got to talk more about Port of Morrow, just me and him this time. So part four of Kyle Meredith with The Shins. Here you are once again with uh, The Shins costume on. Uh, and the last time we had heard you talk about it, you were, you were actually um, in a very different mindset, it seemed like. You were talking about, and, and the quote that got passed around was, the shins got too heavy. Yeah, the last interview of us, I, uh, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it, it, it had. You know, we toured really hard for Winter Night Away, and the idea of just going right back into the studio and doing another shins uh, record wasn't real appealing to me. I mean, it it is so much of a of a creative effort on on my part, the songwriting and everything. So I was really looking for something that was going to be more fun and and more collaborative. Mm-hmm. And and uh, luckily, Brian Burton was in the same mode, looking for a new project to do and wanted to collaborate songwriting wise with somebody. So Broken Bells happened. Mm-hmm. So, so was there ever a point in it where it was it always just I'm taking a break from the shins or did you ever think maybe that's the end maybe there will be no more shins I did think about that that was a possibility I guess in my head mm-hmm. um, but I pretty soon realized that I still had these songs that I was writing that were you know songs that I I, I still had that desire to be the real creative control behind something. Right. You know? so, and so that's still that outlet for me in the shins, and I decided I, I didn't want to let that go. Mm-hmm. With the shins kind of being, I mean, it, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I guess you collaborate with other people while you're in it, but it also kind of seems like, yeah. you know, you are the creative force behind it. It was, Is it something to, you know, is there a difference between calling it the shins and just calling it, here's James Mercer, my solo record? Well, um, one is just an aesthetic feeling that I have about the singer-songwriter concept. I'm not. I'm. I don't. It's not as appealing to me as the idea of of a of, of band. And and even though I know that oftentimes that's just a new thing, mm-hmm. I just like the idea of something being seen as a as as something other than just the personal musings of a of an artist. Right. You know? Right. So the idea, my idea, is just to collaborate with people in the process of, of recording and fleshing out my songs and, and whoever they are and however we do it, that's the shin. Uh, you do have some new band members around this time, right? Yeah, a lot of new people. I mean, and new people on the record and and old people on the record. I mean, Big Fernandez and Marty Crandall are on, on the record, um, along with Nick Bradish, who I met in Broken Bells. He's played guitar and keyboards and Broken Bells. Um, Joe Plummer, Ron Lewis, who was in the Shins in the past, 
Um, Eric Johnson's on the record. You know, so Janet Weiss plays drums on a bunch of songs. But then the new on the live thing, it's it's Bo Plummer and uh, Jessica Dobson, mm-hmm. Richard Swift, Yuki Matthews, and me. Yeah personally excited about the Richard Swift part. I, I think there are a lot of, uh, especially the blog kids out there, seem to pick up on that one pretty quickly, too. Oh, cool. He's, yeah. he's a great guy to hang out with, too. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this. Uh, Port of Morrow, of course, uh, I'm going into this blindly. I haven't heard it. I assume you've heard it a few times by this point. What is the? Uh, how do you see this new CD, uh, this new album, as the evolution? Uh, where, where in the evolution of the shins does this fit? Well, I think there's, it's, it's a lot more experimentation sonically. Working with Greg Kirsten allowed access to a bunch of really terrific vintage old synthesizers and organs and stuff like that. And so it's a richer sound. I think the songwriting is more efficient and better, <laughs> you know, just all around. Well, hearing simple songs so far, I mean, it does it does sound bigger. Uh, I, I know there's a bit of the play that I think uh, critics are doing already with, uh, you know, simple song being not exactly all that simple, but it, but it does sound bigger, and um, and I, you know, it seemed like you were moving towards that with Wincing and everything, but this maybe is kind of the biggest production that we've heard from the Shin so far. Um, yeah, I would agree with that, and and a lot of that is again Greg's abilities as an engineer and producer. Yeah. He just kind of knows what he's doing, <laughs> you know. And I I was happy to hand over a lot of those duties. Um, you know, I had engineered a lot of stuff on the last records and uh, realized that that's not really my strong suit. <laughs> to the songwriting, maybe. Right. Would you see this as the most important record of your career so far? The most important? Um, we'll have to see, yeah. you know, how, how well it does and stuff. I think it's my strongest. Yeah. That doesn't always translate into something that's life changing or anything. Well, I guess I'm, I'm hitting more upon the uh, the expectants. Um, I mean, you 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 know gone pretty far when you did hit uh, on wincing, but with the broken bells, it seemed it almost launched you into kind of a new level with everything and the anticipation that comes when you're talking about. All right, this is the record after that. This is the shins that have been away for for four years right. now. It seems like a on the front side, it could be the most important. <laughs> Yeah, no, you you might be right. I mean, maybe this is sort of uh, because of Broken Bells and because of the five years that it'll be when it's released, you know, since the last Shins thing, maybe it is just going to be much more anticipated and more scrutinized. <laughs> very likely. <laughs> don't scare me. More scrutinized. Sorry, don't mean to plant those seeds. <laughs> uh, let's see here, though. Uh, since you left off, though, uh, you became a father, right? Yes, I've got two little girls. I, I would imagine this has played a big part um, into uh, I, I guess something artistically, uh, as it seems to do when, when folks go through this stage in their career. Uh, yes, it, it certainly has. You know, I mean, there's a lot of perspective shift that yeah. happens when you when you have kids, and I think a lot of things in life become more poignant and and clearer. You know, there's a certain amount of uh, ease with which I can make certain decisions now because yeah. my priorities are so straightened out. Yeah, I don't know if you've had the uh, the same instance. I have a four-year-old, so uh, it, it's amazing how it just kind of centers you. Uh, it sounds like that you know you were saying something along those lines. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it does center you in some ways, but it's also emotionally and, um, and in some practical ways, really unnerving. <laughs> yes, of course. You know, like, you, you suddenly have this, this part of your world that you love so dearly, and you realize right away that they're pretty fragile, you know? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> it can be, uh, it's a it's a really wonderful experience, but also there's I think any thinking person or parent is also somebody who's scared to death. Right, right. Yeah, I've gone <laughs> through that one myself. Uh, so at this point, I mean, you're the career musician. Um, you know, that I think that's safe to say. Is is there the dividing line between this is my job and this is and I can do this and not have my job be part of my life? Um, I I think that it's pretty difficult to keep them entirely separate. I think this time heading out on tour, we're going to try and, and bring uh, the family along. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that will certainly be a meshing of the two worlds. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, be interested to see that one too. Well, man, thank you so much. Uh, Simple Song sounds amazing. Uh, is no doubt in my mind that it's going to be a big year for you. Um, so looking forward to the record, and hopefully we'll see you around these parts. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for the interview. All right. Have a great day, James. And again, my thanks, James Mercer. The new Shins track is called The Great Divide. Obviously, there will maybe eventually be a new record. Sounds like we might get the Broken Bells album before that, though. Thanks to you for checking out this episode. Uh, Before you get out, I I hope you hit that subscribe button, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube, where you can find the video version of the new interview here. And actually, several of these interviews have a a video version as well on YouTube. Then after you subscribe, head over to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. Again, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. Hope you like and follow along there as well. And that does it for another edition of Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, I'm Jen, and I love horror movies. I'm Mikey. I'm dead inside, and I also love horror movies. And we really like to torture our friend Todd because he hates horror movies. That I do. And that's why they call me the horror virgin. <laughs> that's the only reason we call him that. I'm not, no other reasons at all. None <laughs> oh, Whatever. So every, <laughs> every week, we take him through the encyclopedia of horror, the good, the bad, the ridiculously Jack Frosts. <laughs> and then we make fun of it, more or less. Or explain its deceptive feminism. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. That's my thing. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm the funny one. (laughs) (laughs) Our episodes drop on Monday, so check us out. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.